Hello, friends, and welcome to another edition of Dan and Benny in the Ring. I'm Dan Spashano, joined, as always, by the BS Express himself, Benny Scala. Benny, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing good, and this should be a most interesting night. It should be, because tonight is part one of two. We have a, a two-part special, and we're starting with our introduction of this man. Well, you know, we always love to have the good conversations, and we'd love to highlight the great stories. And... I've had the pleasure in the past to talk to this man. He's done so many high-profile interviews. Uh, he's one of the biggest indie talents. I'm I'm from the East Coast, so I know he's got a lot of stories out uh, from the Northeast, Jersey, and and these areas around here. And I'd like to point out he is a newly minted, well, should be, I should say, coming up to be newly minted ISPW Independent Wrestling Lifetime Achievement Award. We are joined by the Metal Maniac, Jeff Miller. Metal Maniac, thanks for being here. That's right, it's the Metal Maniac coming to you live from the pinnacle of professional wrestling, the Hawaiian Islands in the middle of the Pacific Ocean, my brothers. Wow. <laughs> so what's the name of this show, Goofy and Goofier? That's it, Dumb and Dumber, yeah, that's it, you got it. He's got it. Somebody else, I'm Goofy and Goofier, because, you know, I'm Goofy, so I can tell when I'm in Goofy presence. So what's the name of this Goofy Go- show? Goofy to the third power. Right. What's the name of the show? Uh, Dan and Benny in the Ring. Dan and oh, I thought it was Benny and Dan, like Benny and the Jets, but Benny and Dan. <laughs> yeah. And Betty, Dan and Betty, whatever you. Can. I gave Dan top billing. I'm, you know. You have I'm, your I'm, own audience. Your audience knows who you are. I mean, I don't care, but they do. <laughs> well, before we we started recording, you you just you were just getting ready to tell us about how through the the lengthy professional wrestling career you've had you ended up in hawaii so how does how does somebody from from with the stories you have end up living in Honol- living outside of honolulu well it it it, it just start it starts there i mean I, I i i'm in a band i know my family is in the music business um they had a recording studio and they recorded uh, you know, all the cool in the gang records and a lot of r&b stuff you know but meatloaf's bad out of hell record wow. and there were a lot of producers like eddie kramer he did led zeppelin he did kiss he, you know guys like that that were coming through aretha franklin a lot a lot of r&b people too you know the guys from the, the eddie kendrick and david ruffin you know from the temptations and hall and oats and you know they, all these people were coming through and i was in i was playing and and I was playing in a bar in a band where there was, at that time, there was um, a circuit in New Jersey that was, uh, you know, Tuesday through Saturday packed. And, you know, Sunday and Monday was nothing, but Tuesday through Saturday, every bar, rock bar was packed, you know? So we're playing in these bars and we wrote some songs and then we pass it along to uh tommy matola who's the big guy at sony records and this is when i was a kid i mean i couldn't have been what man i was 20 some or mid-20s you know something like that and uh he says i love it so we're gonna go sit down and have a, a real powwow about doing a real record deal now you could get a record deal which could be for 50 cents for 30 albums or which is nothing or you could get, you know, uh, an advance. You could get a real deal that says you get this much. You give away the the you give away your monies on the on the songs. The, the you know the the after monies on these particular songs because it's the first one out. We're laying all this money out. You give away that. Everybody does their publishing the first round. And on the on this record, and then you will do an additional two records, but you got to crack this many, and you know it's 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 it, it could be a good deal or a bad deal. Let's just say. So we had a very good deal, but this is the thing: there's artist roster people at that time. There aren't any more. There are, but they're not like it was. So 
back then it was a guy who, you know, was uh, in control of, let's say, six states would go around and find people. So we get this one guy, and turns out it's John, 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 uh, Joe, uh, Bon Giovanni, John, John, well, that's his real name, but John Bon Jovi's brother, Tony. And so Tony hears the group and he said, holy shit. And I'm going to put this stuff out. I'm going to put this stuff out at one point. I got to just bump it and, and do a video or something and pump the stuff out. So this was killer stuff. And we still had killer stuff in the back pocket that we didn't share. Well, they signed us to a record deal. And this was a big deal. But this is what happened. The lead singer, when he comes in to the room, other than writing our names on the paper, the paper was written already. We went there to dinner with these people to sign. Well, when he walks in the room, Tony Bon Giovanni looks across the room and he sees a guy, a singer, who he gave a management deal to because he didn't want this guy's voice coming out up against his brother. I didn't know this. Nobody told me this. You spent months and months and months and months in the studio and fucking and did and this stuff was listen. This this studio was two hundred dollars an hour plus tape, which in today's money would probably be seven hundred and fifty dollars yeah. an hour. Plus the tape, those big two-inch reels are are $200 a piece. Back then, they'd be $500 today on those analogs. So one thing leads to another, and he's like, listen, we can't sign you guys. I'm like, I'm I'm, I'm, I'm at this dinner table. I almost choked myself. almost choked on my food. I'm like, what? Say that again? You know, because I was keeping quiet just to, you know, go along with everybody. And then as soon as I heard that, I go, hey, whoa, 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 what? He said, listen, this guy, he's had a, a management deal. I'm like, so what? Let him out. My cousin said, yeah, let him out. He said, no, nah, we don't want to let him out. His voice, and you know, we've got all this money and, and, and this uh, this other guy. And, you know, we don't want the competition. We wanted to, I don't like, what? I was like, listen, I, I heard these songs before because what happened was is somebody was writing songs, this guy, Jack Ponty, he would write songs and for the company and then they'd put it with somebody and then hopefully these guys had some of their own talent and they would write newer songs and get it going or they would collaborate together with the cookie cutters. So uh, somehow or another, it ends up, we can't get signed. They won't let him out. My cousins, listen, you guys go to the car. I'm going to catch this Jack Ponty guy in the bathroom and I'm going to beat the shit out of him. Excuse my language. And he's going to do what I tell him to do, because if not, I'll call some other guys. They'll end up in the Pine Barrens and nobody will ever find them. And they said, no, we can't do anything like that. I said, well, what do you want to do? You want to let this is my life. I mean, this is a big deal. How? Listen, you don't understand. Sony Records and my money, and there's a big money here, and you know we. This is our living, you know. Over one thing, I'm like one thing. I'm like, yeah, you can make another band. I'm like, not with these songs. Not with these songs performed like that. And I tried. I tried to get other guys to to sing those songs. Impossible, because his voice was like Steve Perry, as and as freakish as as. As beautiful as Steve Perry for as freakish as uh, Getty Lee's voice was, because it was what at, at first, and but the but he had he had beauty like what's his name, you know. Plus he had this other thing of his own going on there. I don't know what it was, you know. And he kind of looked like Paul Stanley, not the whole body. He was a shorter guy with the same kind of Paul Stanley hair. And he had like that Paul Stanley five o'clock shadow thing going on, you know, when he doesn't have his makeup on. So he kind of had that esque Paul Stanley esque look, you know. 
and he, you know, it would have been right on target. We were, we weren't even up against him, his brother. We, if you would have heard the first Bon Jovi songs, it wouldn't have mattered. It wouldn't have mattered. It wouldn't have mattered. If those songs would have did the same numbers. It wouldn't have mattered. We weren't in the same. It, it's like it trying to put Eric Clapton and Rush together one song after another and you try to make a comparison it's like there's no comparison so i i i said all right i'm, I'm not i'm not i don't want to kill anybody i just want to go <laughs> and take a break well that's I good go and, i want to go take a break i talk tough but that's just how i talk doesn't mean i wouldn't it just means it's the way i talk so i i go to Florida on vacation to, uh, and I end up in, I end up in, uh, I think it's West Palm or oh, North Miami, some, some freaking place. And uh, I'm at this bar on the intercoastal waterway, and I'm in no mood, and I'm huge at this point because I, I, I'm working out, but I was a big kid anyway. I'm huge, and that's all guys in bands did. They worked out, they played music, and that's what they looked like. Like the guys from Van Halen. They worked out, they played music, that's how they looked. So that's what I did. So I'm down there, I'm on vacation, taking a break, and who do I see walk in the door but Peter Maivia's nephew, Siva Afi. He was one of the original Islanders with Haku. Then he went and got the Peter Maivia tattoo and they wanted him to do the job on TV. And back then you didn't do that on a Saturday morning. You were the jobber and he was no jobber. And he just got the Peter Maivia tattoo. And he said, absolutely not. I can't do that in Samoa. They believed they'll end up hurting my family. No way. So Vince didn't want to listen. And he said, well, I'm not going to put this guy over on TV. If I put him over, I'm going to knock him out. Like, well, you can't do that. He's my, he's my guy. So I said, I'm sorry. And then I'm quit. So he left. And when he left, he went to work for, uh, uh, what's his name? Um, Burt Reynolds and Jupiter. Cause he had a, a TV company down there and Burt had his own shows kind of like, you know, like Magnum PI, but except Magnum was really Burt, you know, what's his name? Magnum picked up Burt's, Burt's gimmick and ran with the ball. You know, like like Hulk did with Superstar. You know, good interview, good look, same hair, same you know, right. different colors, but colors, and run with the ball. Same, same exact thing. So, I mean, he comes walking in the bar. I know who he is. So I go up to him. We start talking, and we end up. He ends up telling me, "Yeah, I've been living in New Jersey, and I got this tanning place." And he tells me, and I'm like, "That's like five minutes from my mother's house." I'm like. I've been trying. I've tried to call his wife, who owned a tanning bed. It started making sense to me, and then he starts to say, "Wait a minute, I remember this," because nobody ever knows. Calls us, you know what I mean? At the tanning thing, it's usually you know somebody else you know is reaching out somehow. So what happens is, we start laughing, and he's like, "You really want to get into pro wrestling?" I go, "Listen, bro, you know." really do he says all right well um i need a job i need a job he says yeah because i'm putting some money together i'm going i'm gonna go to hawaii I, so we both i ended up staying we both started to work for this bar we were at just and 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 within like i don't know a month or so that's all he wanted was and that's all i was looking for just to have some money enough to stay there I mean, you could do it at that time. You could get a, a place for you know, two months, you know. So he he had gotten a spot not too far from me. And, we, you know, I, I, I we were working together. And he started to teach me a little bit on the beach, like how to take a backdrop, how to take an arm drag, on how to take a body slam on the beach. And then we end up going to Hawaii together. And he's got his young son, Alex or Pilecki. And uh, he's been on Vince's like small TV stuff, just a little bit here and there as in like an extra guy, but they never used him correctly anyway, but that's another story. So, um, he, uh, so he's moving his family to Hawaii. So I'm on my way and I'm staying, I'm right behind him and he gets me a spot right next to his 
because it all has to do with the company he works for. And he got me a job and I got to move in. And then I started to train and I just started from there. And Jimmy Snooker came in a couple of times and we went to visit with him, went to eat with him. Uh, and that's where I first met Jimmy. Uh, and then I was here with Don. Uh, I met Don Morocco, hung out with him a little bit. And then the next thing you know, I went to, uh, he introduced me to King Curtis. So all during this time, I'm going to the gym Tuesday. I'm going to the gym Thursday. I'm going to the gym Saturday morning with Siva hitting the rope in Liam Maivia's ring. And Liam Maivia, you know, is the Rock's grandmother, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. His wife. Okay. So she's really the head, the monarch of the family, of the whole family, of the whole Samoan dynasty. I mean, when you see Alpha and Sika and everybody... I can tell you when I was with them at the Yokozuna Benefit Memorial, uh, obviously Alpha and Sika uh, and the, 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 let's say, let's say Rakishi and all those guys, they all, you know, knew that Alpha and Sika, even they're older, they are the heads of their family. And then you see Leah sitting there at the table, at the front of the table, and they're all holding court with her. And they're all listening to her. And you can see at who is at the top of the family, of the whole Samoan dynasty. Okay? But, so wait. So, she's she's here. So, she's got shows. She's got a TV, little TV that's going to promote the shows on local, local, local TV. But down here, it's like big TV because it's just local. You know, they get syndicated shows, but they also get a lot of local programming. That's like mainstream programming here in Hawaii, just because that's how it was. I mean, you know, it wasn't like today with the phones and everything. It was, you know, it was you wanted to watch shows. There was 80 channels and any one of those channels was a mainstream channel. You know, it's different here in Hawaii, you know, as it is in other places. You know, local TV in New Jersey is not a big deal to somebody in Arkansas or in Canada, for that matter. You know, so. And so that I started and I started to do the gimmick, started to work the gimmick. And then I, then I was on a one show, I was on two shows and there was a guy named old timer names, farmer boy, Epo, which was one of the guys that used to be on like, you know, with I mean, like Kevin Sullivan and then the other guy, Mark Lewin and, you know, uh, all those bad news Brown, but he wasn't called bad news Brown back then. He was called bad news something else. Alan Towich, um, I think. Yeah, whatever it was. Uh, you know, he had another name. It was Bad News something. It wasn't Brown, though. They called him Brown later. Just, he had another name. Uh, then uh, all those guys, uh, uh, well, you know, King Curtis and, and, and all the guys going back and forth from Japan, whether it be Anoki or Giant Baba or Tatsumi Fujinami or Tenru, uh, all those guys going and coming you know, back and forth, and then you had Bundy, and you had uh, uh, that crew in the north, and you had the southern crew come through, so Ric Flair came through years before I was in the business, when all of this was happening in 81, that's where Siva kind of made his mark, and Peter got him with Vince before he died, so meantime, okay, so now I'm learning, and Jimmy came in once, Jimmy came in twice, and I'm hanging out with, with King Curtis, and King Curtis told me a lot of stories. I'm learning. I'm listening. I'm with the right guys. And then Don Morocco at, uh, saw me, and we were sitting at this place at the beach. And he said, um, "What are you gonna do?" I was like, "What do you mean?" He said, "Well, you, you know, I, I mean, I seen your work. I mean, you know, you know, you're not the next, you know, uh, whoever he mentioned." He said, you're not Luthez or whatever. He says, but you got a gimmick. He says, and you talk good and you looks good. And you're in shape at that time. I was in really good shape. And uh, he's like, well, you, you, you need to go out there and get your rap even better and be better than all the other guys that are in line. He says, now better doesn't actually mean be a better wrestler. He says, you might be a gimmick guy. I don't know. He says, but you got to do this and you're going to have to leave here. I'm like, leave here. I just got here like a year ago. He's like, look, you want to learn or you want to learn? You know, what do you want to do? You're going to learn in front of people what wrestled twice, 
So you've been here, what, nine months and you wrestled three times. He's like, that's not working. That's just hobbling. You need to work. Northeast is where it's at. So he gets me, he says, here's some phone numbers. And I started calling up these promoters. One of them was Todd Gordon. And when he was just doing it himself and when he just bought it from, uh, he just bought it from, um, the other guy and it wasn't even it was wasn't it was called tri-state something or other and then they changed it to eastern championship wrestling and that's where i came in on that at that point and jimmy just left he just put over the undertaker on tv and he did that because he knew he was leaving and so he did that and he took he paid he he, he put over uh kurt henning and made his gimmick because if you beat jimmy Back then, wow, it was a big deal. Right. So he put them over, and that's right where I come in, and I'm working for Tommy D. I'm working for Todd Gordon. Tommy D was a promoter in New York. Uh, and and the first thing I did, bro, is I, 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 so I'm, I, I make these calls. I get my gear together because I already had my gear. My shit, I got a basic fundamental down. I haven't I haven't done all my my funny words yet and all that stuff. I haven't called anybody a chubby dummy like you two. I haven't done that. <laughs> well, you know, come on, it takes one to know one, right? So right. But with, with this, uh, I I I I come in, I work one match, and uh, I, I, this is the funniest thing. I. I <laughs> Is that, you know, I don't know. You know, nobody ever told me, hey, you know, this is locker room etiquette. No one told me that because they, they, they only knew I was a nice kid. They didn't think of that and tell me this is what you do. This is what you don't do. I, I, I didn't know. So all I know is, you know, I, I get to the building. I go where the marks are, but there's no marks in the building. I don't know what is the locker room. I don't know, you, you know. I went into the front door, you know, I didn't know. I didn't know to go where the ring truck was, you know what I'm saying? I didn't know. So, <laughs> so I get dressed. No, wait, wait, back up. I get to New Jersey. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go to these shows over the next couple of days. So the first thing I do is I drive out to London Publishing. And I walk in. I go into the bathroom in the building and I paint up, put on my gear. I go up to the top floor and I walk into the main offices of Pro Wrestling Illustrated. And I said, my name's the Metal Maniac. And I was told by Don Morocco I should come see a guy named Bill After. Well, Bill After comes out. He's like, who are you? And I said, my name's the Metal Maniac. I was with King Curtis and Don Morocco, and they said to come here and see you and get my picture taken. And so here I am. And he's like, oh, okay, come on. It's, I'm, not, I'm not kidding. Takes me in the back. He's got all the cameras, his lighting set up anyway, because you, know, you never know who's going to be in the office. So he starts taking pictures of me. Now... We, we 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 hit it off. He's cracking up. I'm cracking up. He's like, you know, no one's ever. And it's so funny. He goes, I'm going to get you in the magazines. I don't know. You know, I just, I, I don't know who Bill Apter is other than seeing him at the ring, you know, and I hear his name mentioned in a few interviews I saw over the years watching, you know, TV. That was it. And so that's how I knew him, but I didn't know him. And I didn't know who he was very influential. I didn't know any of this. So now I go to my, 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 the first show with ECW and they say, listen, uh, do you mind staying at the hotel? We're going to put you with one of the guys, you know, you share the room. Well, who is my roommate, but Bill Actor. <laughs> so we, that's how I started off with Bill Actor, And that's where he's like, talking to me but he's learning about me learning about the music business and then he starts writing and he gives this over to a writer and he has a guy write a big thing on me and he puts me right in the introducing file 
Nice. Now, the, now the introducing file guys wait a minimum of five years to get. You know, they don't just get them. They just don't. Back then, they didn't. Now, maybe they give it away. I don't know. And then, and like I said, and then the next night, I'm at, I, I met Jimmy there. I I had the gimmick on, but the following night, I met him again without the gimmick on, and I walk up to him. I'm like, bro, I'm Siva's friend, remember? He goes, yeah. He goes, I said, this is me. He goes, you know, somebody just showed me this picture, and I said, no, I don't know you. I said, but I, I you know, Tommy D goes, I just showed you the picture of this guy. You said, you don't know him. He goes, yeah, I don't know him like this. I know him like that. And so Jimmy said to me, hey, bro, you know, come back to the room later. We'll hang out because, you know, uh, he, he he didn't have to say it. But what he was saying was, look, you know, you're from Hawaii. I'm from Hawaii, you know, because Jim, Jimmy, you know, who got came here when he was like, I don't know, seven. So he pretty much was from Hawaii, you know. So when I was taught at that time, Jimmy was what? I was told Jimmy was like 48, 49 at that point. 48, something like that, 48, 49, somewhere in that area. And uh, that's where, that's where you know, we sat in the room and we started talking and I asked him if I could use the phone and I, I was making arrangements for my ticket like four weeks in advance and I had free tickets. All the frequent flyer miles I had with TWA at that time was TWA, you know, which was big. Continental really hadn't went berserk yet. So TWA was the big deal. I had frequent flyers and I was going to go back to Hawaii because I still would come up, stay with my family, work for eight, 10, 12 weeks and go back to Hawaii to train and diet. And that's how what I was doing. And then Jimmy saw how I was doing all my stuff in the room, you know, talking on the phone and stuff. So he knew I, I could read well. I, I understood business. I understood stuff because he was like, how long have you been in the business? Five, six years? And I go, what? Five, six years? No. I, 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 I said, I've had three matches with Farmer Boy Epo, And then I came here. I had yesterday's match and then today. And he goes, what? I go, yeah, that's it. He goes, wait a minute. You know all these guys. You, 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 I, I saw, I, I watched one of your matches. I go, yeah. He goes, you got to be in four or five years. I go, why? Well, what makes you think I'm in four or five years? He goes, well, you hit a guy and then you flex. And then you hit a guy and then you flex again. He goes, who taught you how to do that? I said, well, you and superstar Billy Graham from watching the TV. I said, I, this all I've done for the last year was go to Kalakaua Gym, which he knew what that was. And as soon as I said that, he's, his head kind of turned to the side and he's like, okay, wait, sit down, sit down. He goes, all right, look, you're trying to tell me that you've only had three matches and, you know, you walked like this. I heard your interview. It was fantastic. Everybody clapped in the, in the thing. You know, when everybody, you know, when you do a good one taker and everybody's like yeah, yeah, yeah everybody claps for you you know when you're in the room right doing interviews well i got an applause for everybody popped the locker room so i figured oh you know so he said to me all right look you talk and you don't know what you're doing so okay look i got you know all these guys i gotta help you i just gotta help you he goes here's a piece of paper so i Look at this piece of paper. There's a phone number on it. He says, all right, what I want you to do is I want you to call this guy and tell him I want to talk to him. He says, now, mind you, I do not talk to these people on the phone. I do not. I do not do this. But I'm going to do it for you. I don't know what he's talking about. So I call. Hello. Yeah, my name's Jeff. I'm here with Superfight Jimmy Snuka. Could he'd like to talk to you for a minute, please? He said, sure, no problem. So I hand the phone over, and I hear him say, Saldi, Snooker, look, I got this kid. Looks good. Sounds good. He's going to bring me in, stay at the hotel with me, take me to the gym. You don't have to worry about nothing. 
He said, but you got to put them on all five, but you got to put them with me. All five shows with me. That's it. And he goes, no problem, Jimmy. Okay, fine. Thank you very much. All right, bye-bye. See you then. Click. Hangs up the phone, and he looks at me, and he bugs his eyes open like the super fly, and he goes, done. And then he went, <laughs> oh, oh, oh. I was in shock. I was right. in shock. And that's where it started. And then all my, everywhere I was booked from then on was where he was. And when he would take one weekend off a month, sometimes every eight weeks, at first, when I first met him, uh, he, he, I, that's when I would run back to Hawaii. You know, let's say we finished work on a Saturday. I'd jump on a f- plane with a frequent flyer on a Sunday, just walk in, pay 22 bucks. That's all it was. And jump on a plane. Cause that, they, they, it wasn't like today where, Oh, you know, we only have a limited amount. You know, that wasn't that way. You earned it. You had it. I walked into the airport. The charge was, if you couldn't do it in advance, the charge was $22. So I'd fly back to Hawaii for $22. And I had it working because the girls at the airport loved me because I was traveling for music, too. And so they knew me. So every time I got on a frequent flyer mile, even though I was on a frequent flyer mile, they were letting my account register miles. Nice. So I I was getting double of the double of the double. (laughs) Triple dipping. You can imagine what that I was back then for them to do that. All right. Boy, did I lose it. (laughs) <laughs> and uh and that's where it started and then my schedule became his schedule hey bro listen this is where we're going oh okay pick me up at the airport and let's go and so okay and then he would say all right bro i'm going to next weekend i'm going home or or see this calendar let's go over the dates and he would give me this piece of paper and i'd fill it in on the calendar and then I, somebody was giving him his dates and telling him and he said here here it is he didn't say the names he just said here is the schedule here it is and it had the phone numbers of the promoters and 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 who was picking them up and all this and eventually it started to be where you know i was just working everywhere with him in the main event and i didn't know shit i didn't know a wrist lock from an arm bar. I didn't know. I mean, I knew what they were, but I, I'm trying to say I didn't know. You know, I didn't know. And then that's where he's literally teaching me by way of take your hand, put it here. Take your hand, put it there. Now turn to your left, turn to your left, turn to your left, stop. Now put your hand here. That's how he taught me. And he sold for me. I mean, people in the business would like look at me and go, I can't believe Jimmy's selling for this guy. Jimmy's selling for this guy. Jimmy's selling for this guy. Iron Sheik, first time he saw me work with Jimmy, goes, I don't know, Bubba. Superfly, he sell for you, Bubba. You must be a somebody. You must be, because I can tell you're an Italiano Jew from the country of <laughs> And, you know, I got the A to Z in my bag, you know, so no problem, brother. Whatever you want, we got. And I'm like, the Iron Sheik likes the party? Oh, what do you mean? I said, you mean, wh- wh- what are you talking about the medicine? What's, what, what medicine are you talking about? You know Don Morocco? I said, yes. He said, you know the King Curtis? I said, yes. He goes, then you know. Uh, the Pacalolo. And I go, she, you smoke Pacalolo? He goes, <laughs> I am master of Pacalolo. What are you talking about, Baba? I do A to Z. A to Z. You know A to Z? No, i show you A to Z. And then the next thing you know, I, I never did the, the white powder because it would make me feel funny. So I said, I can't do that. So I'm allergic to it. But snuff and I'm doing 90 miles an hour driving across the, the, the from from Salt Lake to to Vegas with Jimmy and 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 in the passenger seat and right next to me in the middle is Sheik and uh, sitting like a, 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 
a, a like a lounge chair that we put in there, you know. And he's like, "Here you go, Bubba. And put put your hand over here. I see this brown stuff. I'm like, oh God, please tell me that's not heroin. I said, what is it? He goes, oh snuff. You know, like Texas man, Texas man, it's tough tough guy kind of stuff. You know, like cigarette. But you just sniff it. It's good for you. Don't worry. Go ahead, Bubba. I said, I'm like, oh. And my arm driving like 90 to get to this building hours away. And Jimmy's like, bro, I need to make some time, man. And, and you're going across the desert and I'm running over all these white rats. And I got these two guys and I'm starstruck at both of them. You know what I'm saying? I'm completely starstruck. I'm a complete mark. Totally starstruck. So it was not kidding. Really was starstruck. And uh, man, and then it just kept going from there, buddy. I mean, it just kept going, and then finally, uh, Jimmy got divorced, and he it, that which happened pretty. I guess it must have been going already because he it, it, it happened rather quickly. Happened rather quickly. I mean, I, I think by nine, if I was with him, uh, ninety one, so uh, ninety two. It had to be the end of ninety two, and right there. Uh, Jimmy, I had a pager, so Jimmy would call a phone number because he could use the phone. And he, I taught him how to put the phone number in to the pager. So I would call that phone back because he couldn't read. He couldn't write other than his name. And if you said uh, sign it to Peter, and he would say, how how do you spell Peter? And people would say P-E-T-E-R. And then he'd write those letters. That's where he was with his English, you know, and um you know, he would just put in the numbers, but he knew numbers, you know. So, you know, and then that's how, you know, I, I called him back and he says, brother, uh, we're, I'm going to meet you in New Jersey in two days. Yep. And he says, Bob, we're going to have to talk, man. I said, what's the matter? He says, well, I'll be honest with you. He said, I'm getting divorced and you already know all the bookings. You already know all the guys. They already know you. So there's no problem. I want you to get on the phone and I want you to call them all. I want you to tell them that this is where they find me and they cannot find me anywhere else. And I was like, what? I said, okay. I said, Let, let's just meet in person first before I make the call. He goes, okay, I'll see you there. And that's what happened. I picked him up. We went up to the mountains. Jimmy loved to love, didn't like city life, didn't. He, he, we were at a house, and you know, in a nice town, but you know, he liked to be, you know, he was like Tarzan, you know, he liked to be around the woods. So I, was, I took him up to the mountains, and there was deer walking around that are not afraid of humans because they're not hunted over there. And we're just hanging out, and uh, you know, we, we had a beer together, and he was like, "Look, you know, I need you to do the bookings, you know, and it, it's a package deal. I, they don't get me without you, no matter where it is." No matter if it's overseas trips or whatever, it doesn't happen. And if they give you a problem, that's where you tell them you're going to put me on the phone. But they already know not to do that. They already, they're not going to give you a hard time. You're going to see. I'm not going to have to get on the phone. But tell them that even if I get on the phone, I'm not going to change what you've already told them. I'm not going to do that. So when I would talk to him, he'd be hanging around, sitting around listening to make sure he knew what the scoop was. And then he'd get on the phone if he had to only one time, only one time. He goes, hey, bro, look, this kid, he knows what he's doing. You just follow him. He's not giving you any numbers that I haven't already given you. He's like, so don't play games and try to chop him down because you think you can because that's not going to happen. Now cut that out. I was only once. That was it. And then, like I said, and, 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 and come on, you're that young in the business. You run into Bill after, and the next thing you know, you're in. Oh, and then the next thing you know, you're in one magazine. Then all of a sudden, it's another magazine and another magazine and another magazine. And before you know it, it's, it's, it's uh, October, and they pick me as the 1992 Pro Wrestling Illustrated Rookie of the Year. Bingo. They put me in. But... Later on, when when the company sold, they come out with an almanac, and right after that, the second by the third almanac, it was it, it, Bill was gone, and 
they they never when they, every year they make an almanac they never print exactly who really was in those spots so in the first almanac you see my name is in there but after then it's it's all a misprint the whole thing is a giant misprint <laughs> the wrestling almanac you know but i was in the who's who and the top five every year top 500 every year for years and you know 10 years thanks to bill after and got it four page articles you know, on uh, Snooker Beach Maniac for the 100th Street time. But the whole <laughs> article was about me going after him. And the angle I kept using was, is, hey, you know, Don Morocco, 268 pounds, Sunset Beach, Hawaii. That was a famous uh, jersey. You know, like, you know, a famous, you know, like Joe Namath had the number 12, right? Everybody knows Joe Namath had the number oh, yeah. 12. So I thought mm-hmm. Morocco was legendary. So I used 268 pounds of Sunset Beach, Hawaii. Although I lived in Waikiki, I thought that that was a way of saying thank you. And at the same time, uh, a way of, you know, it's, or it, it's, in the, it's in the mental psyche of a wrestling fan. 268 pounds, Sunset Beach, Hawaii. Where have I heard that before? You know, where have I heard that before? And that's what I thought was a little salt and pepper to the soup, you know, just. And man, at that point, you have to put yourself in my position. I'm still a mark. I'm still starstruck. Oh, I'm still a mark till today, but not starstruck. But I knew not to be starstruck because I was around stars before. But this was different. You know, I wasn't, you know, I didn't grow up on Cool and the Gang. I didn't grow up on Aretha Franklin. I was. You know, these were just people that Jimmy Cliff, I didn't even, I had never even heard of Jimmy Cliff. What do I know who Jimmy Cliff is? He's the biggest reggae guy around other than Bob Marley. And he's like the number two guy. So, and he's still living and he's still playing and he's still selling out houses. But, you know, what do I know? I mean, you know, but, but wrestling at this point, at this point, what just happened to me is like swallowing a grand piano. From where I started going to see Bill after to the point where he's giving me the booking, I've been working and I'm pushing myself. I'm trying to establish myself. Right. And then a giant whale gets hooked on my, on my, on on my reel. And that's Jimmy Snooker's whole business. And so I've got to literally run it, you know, you know, I had a, I had a, literally run it and that's what i did and then uh, you know and jimmy told them all it didn't take but a couple of months for them all to know hey don't call these other numbers you can't do it so we upgraded the pager so you could call and it would say hi you've reached the metal maniac and the superfly what can i help you um but i need a booking for this so they said okay you want a booking for what date they put the date in I said, and what, and what is your name and what is your phone number? Boom, boom, boom. And then, she, okay, the, the text has been sent. They'll be calling you shortly. And then I'd pull over and call. Now, don't forget, there was pay phones. There was cell phones. There were cards, you know, pay cards, you know. Calling cards, yeah. Right, you use those cards for long distance, you know, and that's how it was, you know. And that's how it was at my mom's house where my mom actually gave us her house and went to my aunt's house who's got this massive house. You know, and and she was all by herself because her husband passed away. So, my aunt, my mother, when Jimmy was in, just gave us the house, and so that's what we would do. You know, during uh, when we'd go on the road, she'd go back home. We'd come back. You know, she'd go to my aunt's house, and that was it. I mean, I mean, well, it, you know, it was, and it, it, like I said, swallowing a grand piano at this point in my career. You know, I mean, to be in that position as a young wrestler, put yourself in that position and say, my goodness, you know, this is, this has happened rather quickly. And I've got to catch up to my wrestling abilities have to catch up to where I'm at. You know, mind you, Jimmy's teaching me, but I, my work rate, you know what I'm saying? Jimmy was still pulling me along, pulling me along, pulling me along. So then Sal Balomo said, Hey, why don't you go to England and you'll work seven days a week, but you'll work like nine times in a week. So you can go there for like six months and learn everything. 
you know, that you need. So I didn't do six months. I went, I went for like, you know, six weeks, eight weeks. And in, in that time, that's where I got to work with, you know, Dynamite Kid and Dave, fin- Dave Finlay and, you know, Dave Rocky Taylor and, and, and a lot of the English guys, Tony Sinclair and a lot of those guys. Um, and I worked and then they had some American guys like PN News. And then, you know, I just I worked in uh, oh my God, what, that was Rib City. So Steve Alfie Steve flew over because he wanted to come back to work for a little while. So he gets on a plane to come to England. And because uh, those guys were just, I mean, those guys, they weren't stretching me. But my God, they're beating the crap out of me. And I was, they told me, hit me. I hit them. They said, harder. Harder. You want me to hit you harder? Yeah, like this. Turn me around. Boom. I'm like, oh, my God. So Siva came over and straightened that shit out. <laughs> and that was the end of that. And then that, that, then then I really got to learn because I was working with him in front of people. And that was really where it started to click for me. And then I came back and went right back to ECW. You know, and and, and with Jimmy. And then 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 then, then Jimmy's book really exploded. And then that then that's where we're going. You know, Otto Wands used to have six months a year. You'd come in for the first three, the second three, or you'd come in and out if you were a big star. Jimmy said, listen, let's just go over there. So every year, for like three, four years at least that I remember, we were going over there for the whole six months. You know, the whole six months. And he would fly, he would fly, we'd fly back to do ECW because he promised them. But he'd go right back to right back to Germany, you know, because ECW was once a month where they would tape. You know, it wasn't once a week. It was once a month at that arena because they stopped doing spot shows. They stopped Mm -hmm. doing that was all Eastern Championship Wrestling. And we were doing all of that. And once they developed into that and they put the strap on Jimmy, that's when Jimmy said, "Nah, I got their belt. Let's go back. We'll work. We'll come back. And that's then, then. Can you imagine? I mean, can you imagine you're me and that's what happens to you? I mean, it's it, 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 it's 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 mind blowing, really. I mean, and then from there, it just it just kept on going. And you guys, any well, I mentioned at the top of the show when I introduced you, you have the pending uh induction, your your lifetime achievement award. Um, uh, sure. before we let you go, what uh uh, we're, we're, it's, we're recording this, uh, set, beginning of the second week of April. What, um, what can we, what, where can fans find you here in the coming weeks? Well, I mean, you, well, I'm going to be up there. So that's at the men in arena, you know, and, uh, it's May 7th at the men in arena, but it's a, it's a, it's a wrestle con, you know, he's got eighties wrestle con and that's what he's doing. And then he has a wrestling match ISPW and then, and then he's going to give some uh, awards right at the beginning of the show when, when the, they ring the bell and they do some announcements. And then they're going to do the, uh, the the lifetime achievement awards. And it's and it's awfully gracious of them to think of me, and I'm and I'm I'm honored to to be a part of it. And uh, you know I'm, I'm you know I, I I've gotten a lot of awards that were called the uh, wrestling's uh, most hated wrestler. <laughs> That's the only award I've ever really gotten. Wrestlers, you know, wrestling's most hated, hated man by like every <laughs> company I've ever worked for. Every company I've ever so why can't anybody say anything nice about me? So, well, you're a heel, so you know, you're over. I'm like, yeah, I'm over. You mean it. You guys eat me because I would stand up for myself, you know, say, no, that's not right. Don't cheat me out. Come on. <laughs> Come on. We said 150, not 100. Come on. Where's the 50? You know. And Jimmy Dio said, I'm not going to use you again until next month. Oh, brother, can you come down, please? I said, yeah, but it's 200. What? What? 200. Sorry. I got to earn. Oh, <laughs> no, but honestly, goodness, Tommy Fierro. I mean, uh, I know Tommy since um, he's 15 years old. Um, he, I met him. He, he, he asked me to, he reached out to me and said, hey, you know, could you, you know, come? And this is to one of his his very first, I think it was his second uh, 
uh, autograph session. He was only 15. And his parents were helping him run it. And uh, he got all the guys. He had all their numbers. I mean, and he did everything. And, and, and he had me there. And then that's pretty much where I met him. And then from there, I uh, brought, we became friendly and I was talking with him. I could see, he had, you know, he had the Midas touch, so to speak. And uh, he, he kept getting older. He kept getting better. And then before he had ever been to a bar, he'd never been to a bar. And Jimmy and I and Iron Sheik took him to a bar called Pub 46. And uh, not too far from uh, his old hometown of Patterson on Route 46 in New Jersey, not too far from there. And, uh, the, you know, we, we just walked, Jimmy walked in the front door, the bouncers were like this. And then I walked in with Tommy and then right in between Tommy, me and Tommy and Iron Sheik, we pull up the rear and boom, we went straight in. There's Tommy Fierro drunk, you know, we got <laughs> giving him shots and he's just leaned up against the wall with his Miami Dolphins jacket on. And uh, that's that's where, you know, Tommy really, you know, popped his his cherry, so to speak, where he really felt like one of the guys. He didn't feel like he was just a promoter. He really felt like one of the guys. And from there, his career took off. I mean, you know, he did a lot of things. And now he's married with a daughter. And, you know, and I know his mother and father. And, uh, you know, and I know him for years. And, you know, and, he, you know, I, I couldn't make the, I wanted to, he asked me to be in the first one, but I couldn't get up there, you know, with uh, COVID and everything. But now that, you know, um, now that uh, we can fly in and out of Hawaii without, you know, any sort of testing or anything like that. Um, so I don't have to participate in any of that. Uh, now I can fly freely. So I'm going to fly up and uh, I'm going to see the boys and it's going to be a fun night. And uh I'm just I'm grateful that to, to get the award. I mean, it's it's a lifetime achievement award. It's you know, it, you know, it, some people say ah whatever. It's not WWE Hall of Fame. No, it it, it isn't. But you know, there are the there. It's the little things. You know, sometimes it's just the little things that make the difference. You know, I mean, you could have a really lousy day and have just 15 minutes of happiness that made the day worth having. Well, right. that's, how I, that's how I feel it, that, you know, I've been through a lot in the business, but it's nice to be recognized by your peers as one of them, you know, and look at, I mean, look at the, look at the class. You got Tom Brandy, AKA Johnny Gunn, AKA the Patriot, AKA Mr. You know, I got a table that's better than yours <laughs> and sell more gimmicks than you've ever seen. And then, you know, you got, you got, look, you know, you got, I mean, everything, Devin Storm, I mean, you know, Crowbar, you got, I mean, you got the big Vito, I mean, you got, I mean, these are guys, you know, um, uh, Hugh Morris, that's not his real name, uh, what they, they have. A Bill DeMott. Oh my God. I know Bill since I've started at the very beginning. He was always so kind to me. I love that guy so much. I mean, I see him, I hug him, I hold on to him. I just love that guy so much. And here's a guy, here's a guy, man. He was 6'2", 325 pounds. You'd shoot him off, he'd run to the corner. He'd run up the stairs, like the corner, like the stairs. One, two, three. He'd moonsault, boom, boom, land on his feet and clothesline you. I mean, what? he'd take a hip toss, his feet would be in the lights. I mean... He, he was just so talented. And look at Vito. God, so talented. Look at uh, Tom Brandy. Look at look at Vito. Uh, look at uh, who else is on there on there that I'm missing. Um, I know Lord Zoltan is there. And he's a gimmick like me. But he was an excellent promoter. And he did excellent shows. And he, had, he really advanced the business in his part of his neck of the woods. He really advanced the business. The, the business didn't have a reach in his in him where he lives. It really didn't. And he really worked very hard on it and, and, you know, really was a part of the scene, really was a part of it. He was a major part because you had to have a puzzle and you had to have pieces. And he was a big piece to an independent puzzle. And that's part of why he's getting that award, because he was a part of that puzzle, as Tommy was a part of that puzzle. You know, that was the independent circuit. You know, and so there's a lot of guys. Who else is on that? Who else is on that? Um, 
Um, let me Sorry. pull it up. Let's see. We've got uh, Tom Brandy. Mention him. Uh, Bill DeMott. Mention him. You, Vito yeah. LaGrasso. Right. Tony DeVito. Oh, Tony DeVito. What a talent and what a teacher. What a talent and what a teacher. He taught Xavier, that poor kid, he passed away. I loved him, too. And uh, he taught Xavier how to work. And he taught him in a freezing, ice-cold warehouse <laughs> with sweats on and, 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 and under-sweats and under-sweats. I mean, Tony DeVito, I don't care what he did, all these other places. What a talent. What a teacher. Go ahead. Who else? Um, I Actually, I think that that's, that's everybody that I see because you mentioned – Bill and Devin Storm and Lord Zoltan and you and Vito right. LaGrasso and Tony DeVito and Tom Brandy. Tom Brandy. And, uh, oh, wait a minute. What All right. Who's, yeah, there's, um, uh, I, I, I don't want to mispronounce this name. Is it, uh, Vi, uh, Viatona, uh, a note? Oh, no, you're talking about Lloyd. That's yes. Lloyd. Yeah. I knew I'm saying something. My God. What, uh, first of all, Lloyd's a big boy. Lloyd's like 6'1, probably about, maybe not now, but I think he's right now, he's probably about 320 pounds. But, but at one point, he was 400 pounds, the size of a brick wall, and could super fly up the top, splash you. You wouldn't even know it. Wouldn't even know it. Wouldn't even know it. And what a talent. Could I remember working with him when I first came in? They put me with him, and I messed up the finish. It didn't matter. He just took me, put me here, picked me up, put me there, put me there, put me there. <laughs> and he finished it. And he, just, just oodles. He, he, there's a guy, there's a guy that, who had oodles of talent who never, yeah, he did get pushes in different countries like Puerto Rico, and he made a living going internationally. But here was a guy who had like all the Samoans in every which way. Oodles of talent coming out of his ears and never really got it the righteous push. He just so truly reserved. You know, like Rod Price. You know, Rod Price never got the big push. He got he got a little bit, but he never got what he deserved. Oh. When, when people talk about the Samoan dynasty and, and, you know, a lot of the popular Samoan wrestlers, you don't get that. You don't, you don't have that many names coming out of one area without some inherent talent. I mean, it's just genetically gifted, some, something, in, something in the water out there. No, let me tell you the secret. I can tell you the secret and I can tell it to you and it, 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 you still won't get it unless you're good at this. Um, Polynesian people are grown up around, music they're grown up around cultural music and they're raised up in a, in a culture of strict and respect and when the songs the local songs are being sung you're gonna sing when the dances are being danced you're gonna learn these dances and you do and with that comes timing with that, your inner talents start to shine. And it rolls over into everything. And that's why they're all great wrestlers. Because they have timing. They can hear. Remember Jimmy used to do the double leapfrog? Because Jimmy had timing. He could hear the feet. And you say, well, there's other people that weren't musicians that learned how to do that. Like Stone, like Two Cold Scorpio. He could do it too. But Jimmy's background was music because that's how he was raised. You know, different dances, different songs, and this is what Polynesian people do. They 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 uh, teach their children, teach their children about their culture. It doesn't matter if it's Samoan or Hawaiian or Tongan or Fijian, any of the Polynesian cultures. This this is how they live this is what they do and it rolls over into wrestling because they have this inner talent then they have an avenue to to put that talent in 
once they plug in that talent into that avenue, that's where it all makes perfect sense. And so every single solitary uh, Polynesian who gets into wrestling is successful one way or another. And like with Lloyd, he's successful in another way. You know, he went internationally. That's fair. I went internationally, but I was with Jimmy, but not because of my talent. I was with Jimmy. But what is going on in someone's house? Who's got, who just got drunk? I got some very noisy, very noisy neighbors. Maybe they're listening to you. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a very <laughs> you, professional outfit. You, uh, you were talking about being the most hated man in wrestling. Even, even Benny's uh, neighbors are, are coming <laughs> for you now. Yeah, everybody hates me, but they like, even heard that. Well, you know, I mean, I, I, we've, best. we've had you. Oh, go ahead. No, Gino Caruso said it best, and he said, "Sometimes you love him, and sometimes you hate him, but he's got a good heart, and that's the key to knowing him. It, to know him is to love him. If you just met him and saw him walk in a room and heard him grouchy and blah blah blah, you would say, oh, that guy's a jerk.'" But you really wouldn't know that I wasn't a jerk, <laughs> you know. You've, uh, but it's a gimmick. It's a work. It's a, it's it's not a chew. You know, it's a work. Fascinating part one, Benny. What do you think? That could have gone on for hours and hours, just to you know maybe get a sandwich or uh, go to the bathroom. But we could have kept going till tomorrow morning. I really think we could have. Metal Maniac, thank you so much for your time. Don't forget to like and share. Find us on Facebook, Dan and Benny in the Ring. For the BS Express himself, Benny Scala, I'm Dan Spaciano. We'll see you for part two, and we'll see you next time we're in the ring. Good night, folks.